Challenging men to be great men. Welcome to the Great Man Podcast with your host, New York Times bestselling author, Stephen Mansfield. Gentlemen, let us begin. Hey, before I dive into my topic this week, I want to ask you to get this Great Man podcast to men in your life who need it. You know, we keep this podcast short. You can listen to it on a drive to work or even a bathroom session. It's meant to be short. It's meant to be hard-hitting. It's meant to be focused. Uh, we're, we're not, we don't primarily market anything here. We're not primarily about trying to sell your address or, you know, sell you anything. Uh, we want to impact men. So help us. Uh, send this podcast around. Let people know about it. Use your social media and let people know know about the Great Man Podcast. We're just trying to build great men in our generation. Now, I want to speak in this podcast to people who largely are in men's ministries in churches, who run men's ministries in churches, who lead churches with men's ministries. I'm aware that a lot of the men listening to this podcast are not in church, are not Christians. I welcome you. You know you're welcome here. You know I love you. I love my Muslim friends. I love my Jewish friends. I hear from you guys all the time. Got a bunch of atheists who listen to this. It's fine. I'm glad you're here. You know who I am. You know I'm a Christian, and you know I'm going to talk about those things. And for the first time since I started this podcast, Podcast, uh, I'm going to spend a whole podcast talking to churches and to church ministries. So hang in there with me. It's only going to be 10 minutes. And by the way, those of you who don't go to church or aren't Christians, you'll still learn some things in this podcast. Now, I want to commend churches because for the most part, churches are the only organizations that budget to impact men on a regular basis. So I am not here to tear down men's ministries. I'm grateful for them. I've been impacted by them. Good things are happening and a lot of them, and I'm grateful for that. But I want to tell you also that most men's ministries, as well-intentioned as they are, as much money as is put into them, are not doing a great job, are not hitting the mark. For the most part, the average men's ministry is a group of men on the side of a church that meets that has breakfast on a Saturday morning, that hears a speaker or watches a video or goes motorcycle riding or, you know, has a retreat once a year. And good things are happening. Guys are connecting. But a number of things are wrong. First of all, it's not challenging men at a fundamental level. It's not dealing with the real issues of their life. If you happen to mention masturbation, or you happen to mention prostate cancer, or you happen to mention, you know, fathering their sons, or you happen to mention, uh, you know, the Me Too moment uh, in America, most church ministries would freak out. They're not dealing with the real stuff. They're not getting down to real things. They also have a very small percentage of of their church attendance. I I have spoken at a number of men's ministries, um, where they may have two or 300 people show up, but there are 4,000 men in the church. And so they feel great because they got a room full of people or they've got a lot of people. You know, it's a church of 1,000 people. They get 100 guys to show up, but there are 600 guys attending the church. So you can't be satisfied with a small portion of the men in a men's ministry if it's a very small portion of the overall church. You've got to be very careful about that. Um, it, it, it's also true that many times men's ministries are about one age group within the church, you know, the, the boomer men or millennial men, um, but they're not about all the generations in the church joining the generations, which they need to be. And also, they're often not about manhood in the community. They're not about manhood uh, in the, outside of the four walls of the church. That's absolutely essential. 
And so I want to talk about so just a few real quickly, a few principles that we've got to start uh, fixing. We've got to start applying and using in our churches. Number one is this. You cannot reach men in your church if the men's ministry is a little ministry off to the side run by a guy who's never seen on stage or in the pulpit on a Sunday morning, never given any prominence, uh, never promoted. The men's ministry in a church, even if it's administratively run by somebody else, has got to be seen coming from the top. It's got, I mean, most churches are pastored by men. I, I, I'm a guy who actually believes in female clergy, but, but, but whatever. That's not what we're talking about now. Uh, but but I'm, I'm not being bigoted when I say that most churches are run by men. They, they just are. Most pastors, most clergy in the world are men. Just, just a factual truth. And so when you, when, when, when you lead a church, you can't just hand a ministry to men off to somebody you know, who's way down the, the food chain. It has to be at least in spirit, at least in participation, at least in representation and, 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 repre- and, and symbolizing what's, what's important for men. It's got to be uh, run from the top. It's got to be led from the top. It's got to come from the guy who's in charge. Uh, many senior pastors try to hand that responsibility off to somebody else. They give it to some cool 32-year-old guy who's got big muscles, and they assume it's going to get done. But it becomes another ministry on the side, like 50 other ministries, and it never actually impacts the majority of the men in the church. If you've got a male pastor, and most churches do, then you've got to have that vision for men's ministry, that, that calling, that sounding of the trumpet call, that, that, that definition of what manhood is coming regularly from that pulpit. Now, that's not to omit the women. Women, by the way, are much better at this. Uh, you can have the senior pastor's wife or some staffer, female staffer who's running ministry to women. And I'll tell you what, they'll have 80% of every woman in the church show up. It's unbelievable. Women are not challenged in this area. They build relationships better. Um, they, they, they rally around each other rather than a, a singular leader. But men have got to be led. They got to be led from the top. Okay. Number two, if you want to change the culture of your church, I'm certainly not saying what I'm about to say to fire women, but I am saying this. In churches in America, most church positions are held by women. The reality is the people will become what they hold, what they behold. In churches that I have seen where they've just, I know of a pastor, I'm going to give you his exact name in church in just a moment. I know a pastor who realized that he wasn't going to grow a church of great men if, if the church was entirely staffed by women. It's a large church, and so there are a lot of people on staff. So he began to, yeah, he hired women, but he began to hire men increasingly for the new roles that came as they grew as a church. Now, the church just continued to do so well because of this, that there were more women employed long term and, and a whole lot more men employed. He's now got 70% of his staff are men, and the 30% that are women are many, many times larger uh, than the number of women who were on staff originally. This pastor's name is Michael Fletcher. He pastors Manna Church in Fayetteville, South Carolina. He's right on the edge of Fort Bragg. I've spoken at his church. I've spoken at Fort Bragg. Michael's a friend of mine. He's got the best ministry to men I've ever seen, um, and it's just unbelievable. Unbelievable. Uh, the second church that I would commend to you for ministry to men, and there are lots of them out there, I just don't know them all by name, but is Christ the King Church in New Orleans. You want to check that out. Christ the King Church in, in New Orleans, pastored by my friend Steve Robinson. Check those out. You can check them out online. They're doing amazing things with men. 
And they're doing it largely because they honor women and they love women and they serve women and they hire women, but their growth is in hiring men and reaching to men. And they and the, those two senior guys, Michael Fletcher and Steve Robinson, they lead from the front. The men in that church are challenged by the senior guy, vision set by the senior guy, and he models manhood for that church and calls them into their best. And even though others may do the administrative work for the men's ministry, these guys are actually involved. They're actually there. They're actually on the ground. They're actually living lives that exemplify what they're wanting, what the church is wanting to see from their men. There's another thing too, and that is that while I love promise keepers, I'm grateful for the heritage of promise keepers in the church. The fact is that the, the, the result in many men's ministries was that we began to do externally manly, supposedly manly things. So I've seen men to get together, they drink beer, they smoke stogies, they ride motorcycles. I don't have a problem with any of those three things, I got to tell you. I don't have any problem at all with any of those three things. If that's what you think a, a men's ministry is, though, you got it wrong. Drink liquor, just don't get drunk. I've talked about that before in this podcast. You can smoke a stogie if you want to. I don't recommend you smoke cigarettes and be careful about smoking too much. But but I almost all my friends <laughs> smoke cigars. I don't because I had a polyp once removed from my vocal cord and can't do it. But but uh, but I have no problem with it. Uh, and, and I don't ride motorcycles, but I'm but I'm thrilled for people who do. Most of my guys do. So all, what I'm trying to say is I'm not opposed to any of those things. But if you think that's what it means for men to get together uh, to become noble men in, in the service of God, you've missed it. And so get a tattoo if you want. Don't think it's noble manhood. Get a motorcycle if you want. Don't think that's noble manhood. Drink a beer or whatever if you want. Do not get drunk. That's wrong. And But don't think it's noble manhood. Uh, smoke whatever you want. Well, you know, that's legal and don't overdo it because for health reasons, but don't think that's noble manhood. You understand what I'm saying. Go hunting, but don't think that's noble manhood. These are the things that men do on the side. These are the main things that men have fun with. This is the way that men uh, bond and, and rest. But a lot of churches, having come so far from the other direction where they were making effeminate men, when they began to get around the idea of there being a masculinity in a church setting, they began to make it about the externals. So I literally know churches where the guys, uh, again, I have no problem smoking a stogie while they have a Bible study. I'm not going against that kind of thing. But what they do is they get together, they sit by a fire, they smoke stogies, they drink beer, and they watch football. And when it's all over... Uh, they go home and nothing really challenging, nothing really transformative, nothing really uh, confronting uh, is really happening in their lives. And so I want to urge you to make sure that you haven't allowed a culture of externals to become what defines your ministry. I'm all for hunting. I'm all for contests. I'm all for getting out in the wild. I mean, do all of it. I'm all for sports. But at some point, somebody's got to teach somebody what it means to be a man. Somebody's got to confront men, get in their souls, put them in bands of brothers, and start working on the serious stuff of being men. And yeah, then have fun. Absolutely. I love talking smack and having fun with my guys. But just don't think that, that those externals are what it means to have a men's ministry. Okay? And then I got to say this, that... that it also comes down to budget, and I want you to consider before your next budget, I want you to consider dramatically increasing the amount of money that you spend on men's ministry. Do the same with women, but women just, it's just easier for them. I'm not saying they don't have to work and labor and pray, but I'm saying it just it's just easier for them to bond. But men, I got to tell you, the budgets of some churches for men's ministry is ridiculous. 
ridiculous. And let me tell you something. I don't, I don't mind talking church growth here for a moment. Don't want to bore you. But you know, the statistics are that if that if you get a, the child from a family into church, you got about a three or 4% chance of getting that entire family in the church. If you get a wife or a woman from a family in a church, you got about a 17% chance of getting that entire family family in the church. But if you get the man going to church regularly, you got a 94% chance of getting that entire family in church. In other words, if we were smart, I certainly am not saying, uh, you know, don't sidestep the women, not at all. We need to reach out to everybody. But by reaching out to men in the community, by increasing our budget for men's ministry, by by drawing other men in, uh, it's one of the greatest evangelistic tools and culture impact tools we can possibly have. I want to say that again. If you get the man from a family regularly attending church, there's a 94% chance you're going to get that entire family, the teenager, the mother, the little kids, everybody in that household, even the mother-in-law. So if I can't, if I can't, tempt you to get get you to increase your budget uh, because it's just out of passion for men. Uh, I want to get you to increase your budget because uh, this can lead to serious church growth. I don't know a church that uh, emphasizes church, uh, I'm sorry, ministry to men and hasn't increased its and has increased its uh, budget that hasn't seen growth that made it more than worth it more than worth it i know some churches that have doubled tripled quadrupled their ministry to men they know we're in a me too moment they know that manhood's in crisis they know that the primary school shooters in this country are young troubled white men they they want to get fathering going they want to draw the young men in they want to impact their surrounding culture and so they've increased their budgets well when they look back on it a year year and a half later they said man that's the best money we've spent. Men came into the church. The church grew. Money increased. We now have more money to pour into men. We can pour more money into other things that we're meant to be about. This is what it means to get your priorities right. So hear me. I'm not anti-church. I don't have any gripe about the church. I'm a member of two churches, as I often say, and I often joke that I'm definitely going to heaven because of that. But the bottom line is that we've got to do ministry to men in churches more as a forefront thing, less as a side thing, less as an add-on, less as an afterthought. We got to make it a priority in our budget. We got to make it a priority in the senior pastor's life. We got to make it a priority in the pulpit. And we've got to make it a priority in terms of reaching out to the community. Let's build great men. To join the Great Man community or to book Stephen to speak at your men's event, Go to greatman.tv. You'll learn about Stephen Mansfield's two essential books for men, Mansfield's Book of Manly Men and Building Your Band of Brothers, as well as some other great resources for becoming a great man. The Great Man Podcast is a Mansfield Group production.